0: Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Friends, are you in the right spot today? Thank you for joining in this series on courage as we grow our thinking together on what courage looks like in a life lived out. Our guiding quote for the series is, courage is the most important of the virtues because without it, no other virtue can be practiced consistently. And that is, of course, by the ever wise Dr. Maya Angelou. We know this looks different for all of us and guests in the series are revealing a beautiful life illustration. Today's guest is a powerful example of what quiet daily courage can do to empower our life mission. Angie Bodeslaw is director at Spooner Memorial Library in Spooner, Wisconsin. She is vice chair of WLA's Wisconsin Small Libraries and serves on the Cooperative Children's Book Center Advisory Board. She earned her MLIS degree from UW-Milwaukee and is a graduate of both Wisconsin DPI's Youth Services Development Institute and Wisconsin Library Association's Leadership Development Institute. Most recently, Angie co-founded a local initiative called Community First Washburn County, where she worked alongside a handful of community organizations to hand out care packages and deliver food to those in need while also supporting local businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. Angie's mantra is choose joy and believes greatly in the role of libraries in offering community opportunity and literacy in this episode we discuss angie's courageous journey into her current role as library director her experience in delving deeper into herself as a leader and engaging and embracing her strengths and focusing on refining in this year. And Angie gives us a beautiful testimony for what that self knowledge is doing in and through her in supporting a loved one through mental health challenges and addiction. There's so much wisdom in this interview, and Angie's willingness to share her story with you inspires me deeply. She is a force in this world with a voice meant to be amplified, and I cannot wait for you to get to know my friend in this conversation. What a joy that I get to share with you. Today, Angie Bodislaw's Courage Story. Welcome, Angie Bodislaw, to the In Aw Podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and to share you with my community because I know they're going to love you as much as I do. Me too. All right, my friend. So, can you do me a favor and share with the listeners just a little bit about your current context so they can get to know your voice and hear what you're up to in this wonderful world of ours?
1: Yeah. um, I'm Angie. I'm from Northwestern Wisconsin, a pretty small town here. you might think of Wisconsin as like, you know, Green Bay Packers, Madison and stuff. We're nowhere near that. We are actually about two hours away from Minneapolis. I am a library director at a, in another small town next to me, and it is my dream job. I don't want to go anywhere else. I just love it. I have a passion for people. Um, all about empowerment, which makes me excited to have this opportunity to talk with you today, Sarah. I have blue hair. <laughs> I have some kids and a <laughs> husband and a dog that has no teeth and some cats, fish. I'm tearing down a lot of walls in my house, which is Very fun.
0: I think that sounds like a beautiful metaphor. Like you're tearing down the walls in your house, but you literally are tearing down the walls in your house, like your physical home.
1: I I literally am and also figuratively am. Yes, that's awesome.
0: Okay, and then, yeah, you wanted to share about kayaking. I just hadn't thought about that because of the dead of winter, but we're coming out of it.
1: Oh, yeah. I love love nature. I love being on the river. Um, It reminds me of my dad. Which is really fun. I like bringing people to the the water and the river and stuff too to to show them peace. Like I can feel it. It's beautiful.
0: Well, Angie, I am so excited to share you. You are a personal and dear friend. And I just know that there's going to be a mission in your message. And we have you featured here on the courage series, which thank you because listeners, you should know that I asked Angie, if there was a last minute ask to be on a podcast, this is it. This is you had like a two hour notice or something like that. And so I feel like that's courageous in itself. So I wanted to put that on the table and thank you for saying yes because it's not always easy to just say yes to something like that. But I know that there are a lot of different areas that you are displaying courage and, and sometimes that you can't even see it, but you're moving forward courageously. And so I just wanted to ask you first, because I think that we all have different definitions of courage. And I heard you in the pre-chat tell me what you, know, you thought it was. What do you think courage is in your life? And what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, um, well, my husband one time, told this to our daughter when she was having a nose surgery, Um, courage is being scared, but doing it anyway, that I think it's, I mean, to me, that's what courage is too.
0: I totally agree. And I love that. And I love that image. So I wanted to unpack some of the cool pieces about you. And and let's start with your professional world, because I, I love this story. You know, as you know, we feature women here on the podcast. And I think there's going to be a bunch of layers to hearing about how you got in your current position. You want to share with us about that journey? Like what led you into wanting to be a library director? And how did this come about?
1: Well, it began with one of my friends saying, hey, there's a job opening at the local library. I had, my daughter was eight months old. I had got my degree in human development family studies and then was working previously on my master's in social work, thinking I wanted to be a social worker, helping veterans. And the position was for two different jobs. It was a children's librarian or a library aide. And I was so afraid that I thought I might as well just apply for the library aide position. I won't even get the other one. You know, they won't think I'm anything special. But for whatever reason, I didn't apply for that when I applied for the children's librarian position. And I got it and I immediately fell in love not only with the library work, but also with the library itself and the library team. And I decided right then and there, I'm going to apply for my master's because I knew the library director was retiring I got into a master's program at UW-Milwaukee and was going to do it all online um, because I live up in the middle of nowhere. And um, it was maybe a serendipity moment. I don't know. Again, I wasn't really brave enough at that time to to say, you know, I want to take over this library. You know, I want to lead this library. I was too afraid to say it because I didn't think I was worth anything. I didn't have my master's yet, you know. Well, in a conversation, the director had heard that I um, was interested in becoming a library director, and I had started my, about to start my master's program, and she said, are you serious? And I didn't mean for her to hear me say that. Um, She said, she, she didn't say no, and I, like, okay, we're doing this and I guess the rest is history. I finished my master's. I'm library director now, and I don't want to go anywhere else. I love it there. I love my team. I, I never would have thought of myself as a librarian. Um, I always wanted to be a marriage counselor, but then I got married and realized that marriage is too hard. <laughs> 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 but but uh and then i wanted to be a social worker and a teacher at one point all these other things but the main the main emphasis was always people i always vulnerable people and wanting to help vulnerable people and what i love about library life is that every day is different and i help so many different vulnerable people it's been it's been amazing and i i'm glad that um, that things worked out and I'm glad that I did. I did take the leaps, but I definitely didn't think I was worthy of it and some days I still don't, but here I am.
0: I love this story because I think about this idea of okay, two positions, library aide or children's library director. Which would I'll go for the harder one, right? The research tells us that actually and I don't have the article to cite it, but most um, of the time, women will look at the qualifications for a job and see that they don't have all of them, and then they won't even bother applying, where they feel like they have to have 100% of the qualifications in order to make that application. So I'm proud of you for defying the odds, first of all, to go for that position, because look at what that did on your path. And you, weren't even, you would have never set your sights to where you are now. Um, just at that moment. And I just think that's so cool. And then the fact that you had a conversation overheard, but something I know about you now, and I'm sure that that was the root of who you were then, is that you are goal oriented and, you know, not everybody. And that's probably what that previous director had seen in you is not everybody would take that step and just start the program without a position (laughs) or even a promise (laughs) for it. Right. Like that's courageous in itself. Right. Yeah. Very cool. I also noticed that you never once said, I love books and I love reading. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just talk to me a little bit about that, because for people who aren't familiar with what a library director does, how can you help the vulnerable in that role?
1: Yeah, so a big part of what what I do as a library director and what other people do in the library world is they serve the community. and. Well, the, the title of our newsletter at my library is Beyond Books because really that's what it is. It's not just books. Um, we don't read except for, I mean, I read mm. to the kids at story time. I still do um, some of the children's programming because that's my joy. Um, and I'm fortunate that my library board lets me do that. But I've helped... Um, the other day, I helped the 90 year old lady um, with her unemployment. She, um, I, well, I've been helping her for almost a year now, um, helping her file her unemployment. And then whenever there's a confusing letter she gets, I help her with that. Um, she calls me her daughter to the unemployment people now, <laughs> Const- constantly tries to invite me out to lunch and stuff. Um, that's just one. Another, I mean, I've, I've helped veterans too, which is like the coolest thing. Cause that's what I wanted to do previously, you know, but I've, um, a veteran who needed help applying for some heat assistance. I helped him with that. I helped a, a gentleman find some of his, some history in one of our microfiche machines, which I mean, that's like, hardly a teeny tiny part of what we do i helped a man study for his cdl the um wisconsin dmv doesn't mail out books anymore and this man doesn't have a computer at home didn't really know how to use computers so um we set him up multiple times and he kept coming back and one day he came back and said i got a job so i mean it's moments like that uh another big thing um that we've done is try to help the community you know right now during COVID we started uh, something called Community First we've been making sure people get meals and care packages and things like that I mean it's library life for me is thinking outside of the building um, thinking you know how what can we do at the library uh, to bring people together to get them informed you know, um, where we've done programs about trauma-informed community where we um, kind of inform people just, you know, like you might not think you can make a difference to someone or you might not think that you can prevent um negative things from happening in our community but you really can it's as simple as you know showing that you care about someone and being there for someone i would have never thought like i mean i had the stereotypes of a library too but i don't read books all day sometimes i feel like i never have time to read books at home either but (laughs) but i do like books i love books that's so beautiful. Thank you for giving us inside.
0: And I like how you emphasize too, you know, this is how you run your library and it is very community-based and that's beautiful. So many different examples of, yeah, how you're using that passion and the mission to serve the vulnerable, even though you're not marriage counseling, I'm sure that you've seen plenty.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We've had some moments like that. <laughs> Maybe with my team. No. No. <laughs> Right. Well, like, well, and, you know, because
0: that's the other thing, too, is that as a library director, many of the people who listen to this podcast are super, you know, they're leaders and then they're titled leaders as well. So they supervise and have direct reports. You have the same. When you say it's your team, you are, you know, in charge of how many? Uh, We have uh, 11. That's incredible. A small area. And I know that you're passionate about serving that team too. Um, Maybe this is the opportunity to kind of segue into the fact that you and I actually have a really, (laughs) it's a great relationship. It's a friendship. Um, I've gotten to know Angie better in the last, it's been two years, year. But one of the things I remember is um, having one of our first conversations shortly after Lead with Faith came out. And we were talking about the Enneagram at a a mutual friend's house, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, and I had, you know, published about it in the book and we were chatting about numbers and you were so knowledgeable. And one of the things that I remember from that conversation is talking about being, like you talked about being um, at trainings with the Enneagram and you and the crew seem to know a lot about it. But in the last year, you've even become more courageous with that. So you want to talk about your self journey through that lens and maybe further?
1: Yeah, um, so I've been a part of... um coaching with Sarah this last year which has been really nice um, and I my I have a one word for the first time in my life and it's <laughs> not scary and it's actually pretty cool it's refine and um, one thing that I've refined is really digging even deeper into my Enneagram um, I'm a one wing two so you might have heard a lot about ones you know us perfectionist people that like things a certain <laughs> way and stuff, but actually a one can be a beautiful thing. And that's one thing that I'm embracing um, mm. this year. And one thing that's cool is that Sarah's a seven and I'm a one and we balance each other out pretty Thank good.
0: goodness for you. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: and then my, my wing two deals a lot with um, serving serving other people um, which has really come out a lot Um, I never thought of myself as having a servant's heart because I'm not always the one to go clean up the dishes after people and things like that you know but it just comes out in different ways Um, saying you know we could help you with that or here we have an extra here you go you can have that Um, so it just looks differently for everyone but uh, one one of my a fear of a one is that I'm immoral. Um, that my my choices are bad, and I've a lot of times um, let that get in my way of thinking. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. And that's, I mean, that's a, that's a fear. I think a lot of us fear that even if we're not ones, but it's really hits the gut when you're a one, but a big, a big thing that has helped me is becoming more self-aware of digging in deeper of why, why do I care so much? You know, like why, why does it, you know, like you can have thoughts, but the thoughts doesn't mean that that's who you are. But with a one, it's like all those thoughts, they're saying these things must be true, but it's it's not. But I want to a one also wants to wants to make the world a better place and wants to make, you know, just make myself a better person and wants to help the community. And I've been embracing that big time this last year and and kind of celebrating who I am more than I ever have before. It's kind of forced at me, but I'll take it. (laughs) I love it because I think it
0: does take courage to unpeel those pieces of us that we don't want to look at, but then also to embrace ourselves in the last episode we had last week with my guest. We talked about that, this journey, this courageous journey of loving yourself. It takes a ton of courage to do that. And I think about the experience you had in choosing your One word with refine, it took courage to be able to like focus on yourself. (laughs) Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, I, I was like, I can't do, that's too selfish. And then realizing now, however many months in, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't selfish. You needed this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, and I want listeners to hear too. I love how eloquently you speak about the Enneagram and, and yourself. And I think one of the coolest things to uncover about you is, you know, you're talking about your journey about wanting to be a social worker or be a marriage therapist or you'd help the vulnerable. And we'll talk more about that too with advocacy, but that comes from that reformer piece, but the healthy and beautiful part of how that wing pairs with you in the service is like this core desire to help innovate and change the world for the betterment of the world. You know, it's a very outward thinking step to take. Um, you know, why you take your role as library director in such a beautiful path of service is a powerful combination. And I think it's awesome. Well, and there's one more, you know, piece that since we were talking about this year, I know we wanted to talk about your advocacy for mental health. And, um, you know, a huge part of that is life experience. And this is close to Uh, Close to both of our hearts. And I know that a big journey for you this year has been trying to figure out how to courageously serve, um, but not get too attached. Do you want to share a little bit about the journey and supporting a loved
1: one? For the longest time, I mean, even since I was a teenager, um, I've watched um, a family member that's close to me just, just fall apart and just Uh, My heart has broken over and over and over again for him. This year, things were so desperate um, that he had attempted to kill himself. And I needed to step in. I needed to do something because I didn't want to lose him. And uh, my husband thankfully said, you know, he can come here. So he came here and... I was able to help him with his recovery, making sure he got to meetings, um, making sure he got to therapy sessions and and things like that. And while he was here and he was doing well, it was the first time ever since he started um, using that I felt like he's going to be okay. And I felt kind of at peace for the first time. Well, he was almost three months into recovery and he, he relapsed and he relapsed hard. And little little old me who let my guard down, um, that's the one in me speaking, but um, who let my guard down for the first time in a long time, kind of I lost myself. I didn't know how, um, I didn't really know where to go or what to do. The only thing I could, the (laughs) only thing I could think of is I need to go to Al-Anon. So Al-Anon is like a family support group um, for addicts. If you have a a family member or a friend with an addiction. And I went and I've been going ever since. and, And that pulled me out and helped me realize that I'm not in control and i i need to be there for him um but i can't lose myself in the process because i'm no good to anyone if i if i do that he's had his ups and downs since then and um for a while i was riding the roller coaster being afraid not not knowing what i can do to get make him be better and the more I went to Al-Anon, I realized that that I can't I can't do it for him. I can be there for him, but I can't do it for him. And it's been it's been a refining moment after moment after moment. Um, and in the process, I realized, you know, I need to go to counseling again. So I started going to counseling again. And I'm starting to dig into some stuff I haven't dug into for a long time, and um, I'm starting to work on work on me and real and trying to figure out why why is it with my personality that that I get pulled in so deep, you know? And I think what I'm learning with refinement is that so refinement sounds like a scary thing, and it, I mean it is. Let's like so God is taking this, this lump of coal or whatever, you know, making it into something else. But the whole thing is he's making it into something beautiful and the process sucks. And it's, it's sucked this, this, this year has sucked. Um, But I'm, I'm realizing that, that there's beauty Mm -hmm. in who I am and that, that I need to have faith that no matter what happens, that it's going to be okay and it's still a process i mean over and over again i still go i go i'm not going to stop going to al-anon i need it it's like a lifetime thing i think i would definitely suggest to anyone who's dealing with stuff talk about it you know reach out if your body is is all like you can't breathe and it's all tense and it's you know you're quick to anger and you know like listen to your body it's trying to tell you something and i wasn't listening to my body for a long time i was holding it all together or so i thought and i was falling apart and i shouldn't have fell apart so badly when i when he fell i mean that's what happens when you love someone And you know that, Sarah.
0: Well, that is a really beautiful story. And the courage it takes, first of all, to step into that relationship that you did um, was huge. I know at the beginning of that, I'm so fortunate to have a seat in your life. And I'll never forget that process and, and watching you move through this and the fact that you would choose to be courageous enough to go to Al-Anon and apply all of these things is really powerful. And I'm so grateful that you would share this with the listeners, because I know that that Every single thing that you've said is meant for someone who's listening. And it's hard to share those things because they're so vulnerable. <laughs> It'd just be so much easier to pretend as if everything's fine, right? And to say, oh, I did this thing once and it went really well, or or just to gloss over the the failures. But instead to leap into that and this fresh too and to share this story is really courageous. So I want to thank you for that, Angeli. I really appreciate you sharing. Um And, you know, the inside of all of that and going back to, (laughs) I think, a really cool thing about you, even threading through the going to the position of the library director, willing to dig further into who you are, seeing how the perfect timing of understanding yourself and refining yourself has been a powerful component to supporting your loved one in the journey. Um, And going to this whole person is really about finding your voice and finding your leadership in the space of all these beautiful areas that you're leading in. And I know that you're passionate about that. Um, And so I appreciate you giving us this time on the podcast before we head into those two standard questions I do want to ask you this question because I know your answer is deeply inspiring so what would you say that you are the most proud of in this beautiful life journey that you're on so far
1: I would say I mean I've I've definitely stepped out of the shadow I um my hand shaking my breath unsteady, and I just put myself out there I mean even talking on here today <laughs> I'm shaking to my core, but I know that God can use my voice and my story to empower others. And that's what it's all about for me. So I'm I'm really, I'm proud of trying, even though I can fail. And lately, I'm especially proud of being able to let go of my desire for f- perfection for the sake of serving my community and my team. Progress, not perfection. <laughs> that's my mantra right now. It's an important one
0: for, you know, for anybody listening that not only because of just who you are as a person who has beautiful expectations, that Enneagram one will stick you on that. Perfectionism is this real burden in there. And so progress over perfection is a really great mantra. Love it. Okay. So are you ready for my two standard questions? Yes. All right. So here we go. So the first one is, if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say?
1: Well... I would call, uh, I would, I think my dad used to call me Wiggly Butt when I was little, so I was say, <laughs> hey, little Wiggly Butt, you don't have to carry the weight of the world on your little shoulders. You don't have to hold yourself or anybody else together, and you don't have to apologize for choices other people made. You are beautiful and accepted just as you are.
0: I love it because not only did that sound like you, you just infusing your dad in there is just really adorable. Thank you for doing that. It's powerful. Okay. How about this one? Uh, If listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it?
1: You might feel like an imposter at times. I know I have, but that's normal. When you have those feelings, acknowledge them and then pinch yourself did you feel that? That means you are not an imposter. You are real. Those feelings are real. It's perfectly normal to feel that. It doesn't mean that you're not great at what you were doing. It doesn't mean you don't have a calling. It doesn't mean you're not awesome because you are. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, that imposter syndrome is real. We've talked a lot about that on the podcast and the idea that you just you know have to learn to speak truth to that voice in your head, which I know is a challenge that many of us face. So thank you for speaking to that. I love that. Pinch yourself. You are real. <laughs> I'll be thinking about that next time it creeps in for me, my friend. Angie, I just want to thank you so much, not only for taking this last minute request and just pressing through that fear and doing it anyway and showing great courage to come, but just to give us this incredibly awe-inspiring interview where you just Give us really um, strong pieces of wisdom and pieces of you, and I'm so grateful that you would do that. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity, Sarah. Oh, it's my pleasure, and for believing in me. Oh, of course I believe in you. You're a rock star. Um, if listeners want to be able to get a hold of you after this, what is the best way that they could engage with you after the interview?
1: Yeah, they can find me on Facebook at a bodislaw, b o d z i s l a w. Or they can email me, Spooner Library Director at gmail.com. Awesome. It's probably the best way. That's great. And I'm glad you spelled it because that's not easy.
0: <laughs> that's a fine. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. What a great interview. I appreciate you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Same.